Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Daniel, chapter 4. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Anyone who has really, truly come into contact with the true and living God, their lives were changed just like that. They were changed. I mean, radically, radically changed. Ask Isaiah. You remember when he saw the Lord, when he met God, he didn't say, you know, oh, God, good to see you. No, he said, woe is me. I am undone. Isaiah 6, 5, verse Chapter 6, verse 5. Ask Peter when he realized that Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of God, and he said, What? Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. Luke chapter 5, verse 8. You know, someone has rightly said, If your religion hasn't changed you, it's time to change your religion. There's a change. There must be a change. And if there is no change, then you would want me to believe that our God is not powerful enough to change you. That I reject. There must be a change. There needs to be a change. Nebuchadnezzar came in contact with God, and God changed him. Look at verse 3 again. Nebuchadnezzar is changed, and he gives testimony of all the great things, signs, and wonders that God has done. No doubt thinking about the dream and the interpretation in chapter 2. No doubt thinking about chapter 3, the deliverance of the three Hebrew boys in chapter 3. The second dream that we're going to look at in just a few minutes in chapter 4, he says, truly, God is who he said he was. Notice he says now here in in verse 3, he says his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom in contrast to Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom that is temporary. So you can see the change. Now his focus isn't on Babylon and his kingdom. Now his focus is on God and his kingdom. See, verse 1 through 3 actually goes at the end of chapter 4 because after this second dream that we're going to talk about, after this second dream, God works a series of events in his life which causes prideful Nebuchadnezzar to humble himself. And after this experience of humiliation... Then he writes verses 1 through 3, talking about the glory and the greatness of God. This is important for you to understand. If you understand that, say amen. Very important. So there's a change. and There's a difference in focus. Notice in verse 4 through 9, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was resting in my house and flourishing. Now he's going to go and tell us the story of what happened. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was resting in my house, flourishing in my palace. I saw a dream which made me afraid, and the thoughts on my bed and the visions of my head troubled me. Therefore, I issued a decree to bring in all. This guy loved to issue decrees. I'm amazed at how many decrees he issues in two chapters. 
This is amazing. Oh, a decree for this and a decree for that. And he says, well, therefore, I now I issue another decree to bring in all the wise men of Babylon before me that they might make known to me the interpretation of the dream. Then the, then the magicians, the astrologers, the Chaldeans, and the soothsayers came in, and I told them the dream, but they did not make known to me its interpretation because they can't. But at last, Daniel came before me. His name is Belteshazzar, according to the name of my God. In him is the spirit of the holy God. Underline that. And I told the dream before him, saying, Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians, because I know that the spirit of the holy God is in you and no secret troubles you, explain to me the visions of my dream that I have seen and its interpretation. These were the visions of my head while on my bed. Stop right there. Give me your attention. At this time, things are going great for King Nebi. He had crushed all other military opposition. He was secure. He was successful. He was strong. He was resting easy and flourishing. Things are going great until one night he woke up in sweaty pajamas from a very fearful dream. I like that because, you know, God likes to rattle your cage just when you're resting and you're flourishing. God likes to shake things up just a bit from a place of false security and shake your foundations. And you know why he's doing it? Because he loves Nebuchadnezzar. That's why. And so he calls in, Nebuchadnezzar calls in what I like to call the pagan God squad, Magicians, magicians, astrologers, and sorcerers. These are the John Edwards, the, you know, that guy who's talking to the dead nowadays on TV. He's got his own show for that. Isn't that ridiculous? You get your own show because you act like you're talking to the dead. Now, I don't know. Maybe he is. Maybe. But the, this, these types of guys, Sylvia Brown, Dion Warwick, you know, the types that call the 900 hotline, you know, psychic hotline number. That's these types of people. And so they come in before Nebuchadnezzar. And, uh, you know, and, 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 and I just get the scene here, you know. They come in before Nebuchadnezzar and they say, Nebuchadnezzar, king, O oh king, give me your palm, king. And study your navel, king. <laughs> and, and think of ponies as we try to tell you what's in the future, they can't. And so Daniel, and, and, the, and the king knows that. And, 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 the, and the king knows that Daniel, the, the, he knows that Daniel knows. Did you notice what he said? He said, Daniel, look at it again. I had you underline it. He said, Daniel, in you, the spirit of the holy God. You see, he knows that Daniel has the answers. Fast forward to verse 18 in your Bibles. Look at it again in verse 18. The king said it again. The spirit of the holy God in verse 18, Daniel, is in you. And again in verse 8. And so we have it in verse 8. We have it in verse 18. And we also have it in verse 9. There it is. Did you see it again? He says the spirit of the holy God, Daniel, is in you. And no secret troubles you, Daniel. In other words, he's saying to Daniel, Daniel, nothing shakes you up because of the Holy Spirit. You see, at first he goes to the wrong place for counsel and they can't help him. Did you see that? Christians don't go to the world for counsel. 
Don't go to the world. Don't look up in the phone book for the practicing psychotherapist. And please don't call Dionne Warwick. The hotline is psychic, Sister Cleo, Chloe, or whoever they are. Don't call these people for counsel. Give it a try. Here, listen at this. Why not instead, if you have a problem, you have a situation, do you know I believe this? A person that is filled with the Holy Spirit, a person that is born again, has the wisdom from God. And I believe that a person who is born again and has the wisdom from God knows more than a psychotherapist with a doctorate. You see, we're more likely to call a psychotherapist because they've got, you know, in the phone book, I actually did this today because I wanted to be sure that it's really there. So I got the phone book, and I looked up, like, you know, counseling and psychology and psychotherapists, and, you know, they've got, like, M.A., B.A., A.A., M.B.A., uh, uh, C.C.A., and all kinds of number, letters, you know, after their name, as if this makes them experts. A Christian who cleans the church for serving the Lord, who is born again, who has a spirit of the living God dwelling within them, can give you better counsel than anyone with any number of letters after their name. You find yourself a Christian who knows Jesus. You find yourself a Christian who is filled with the Holy Spirit. You find yourself a Christian who knows God and loves God and seeks God and knows God's word. And that is the one you go and you get counsel from them. And and then you'll be getting counsel from heaven. Not the world's counsel. They don't know. They, They don't know. People seek God last. When they have a problem, they come and see me. Pastor Rodney, well, I need some counsel. You're my last hope. And I'm like, wait a minute. You know, that, gee, thanks, you know. I, I, I want to, look, I'm thinking the best. Maybe they're saying, you know, God is my last hope and I'm coming to you. I'm trying to think the best, but, you know, you're my last hope, Pastor Rodney. And I'm like, you know, why not make God your first choice. Don't ever seek the world's counsel. That's what Nebuchadnezzar did. He realized they couldn't help him. Another thing I want you to notice about this text, I noticed from these verses, we see an unbeliever. Did you see this? An unbeliever watching the life of a believer. (laughs) I like that. Non-Christians are looking at your life. They notice how you react, what you do, how you respond to trials, how you respond when words go around the office that, you know, certain things are going to change. They, they, they work with you and they watch you and they listen to what you say and they watch how you act. So that tells us that everyone's a witness. The question is whether you're a good witness or a bad witness. Because we're all a witness. Nebuchadnezzar says to Daniel, Daniel, I I can see that the spirit of God dwells in you. We have a non-believer watching the life of a believer. I think someone once said it like this. Men may never read the Bible, but they will read your life from cover to cover. And that's so true. They're watching you. The world is watching you. And they're watching how you respond and they're watching how you act. And so the king says, Daniel, there's something different about you. The spirit of God lives in you. Look at verse 10 in your Bibles. These were the visions of my head while on my bed. I was looking and behold, 
a tree in the midst of the earth. And here's a dream. A tree in the midst of the earth. And its height was great. The tree grew and became strong. Its heights reached to the heavens and it could be seen to the ends of all the earth. Its leaves were lovely, its fruit abundant, and in it was food for all. The beast of the field found shade under it. The birds of the heavens dwelt in its branches and all flesh was fed from it. And I saw in the visions of my head while on my bed and there was a watcher circle that. A holy one coming down from heaven, he cried aloud and he said, chop down the tree and cut off its branches, strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the beast get out from under it and the birds from its branches. Nevertheless, leave the stump and the roots in the earth bound with a band of iron and bronze in the tender grass of the field. Let it be wet with the dew of heaven and let him graze with the beast on the grass on on the grass of the earth. And let his heart be changed from that of a man and let him be given the heart of a beast and let seven times pass over him. The decision is by the decree of the watchers. Verse 17 is very important. This decision is by the decree of the watchers and the sentence by the word of the holy ones in order that the living may know that the most high rules in the kingdom of men gives it to whomever he wills and sets over it the lowest of men. This dream I, King Nebuchadnezzar, have seen. Now you, Belteshazzar, or Daniel, declare its interpretation. Since all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known to me the interpretation, but you are able, for the spirit of the Holy One is in you. Notice that Nebuchadnezzar tells Daniel the dream. And I want you to notice the change of pronoun. Notice this, from it to him. This is very important. Notice the change of pronoun from it to him in verse 15. Since when is a tree a him? It isn't. So the watcher or the angel, the tree will be says this, the tree will be chopped down. It will lose its size, strength, prominence, beauty, fruit and shelter. He says the tree represents a man who will be changed and given the heart of a beast. I would bet you a donut that Nebuchadnezzar is thinking, thinking I was the one flourishing like a green tree. And then I was chopped down and stripped of everything. I got a feeling that he has an idea of what the interpretation is. As the dream changes from a it, a tree, to a him, and he's thinking, oh no. And, and Daniel never tells nice interpretations. There, it's, it's always like catastrophe. It's always the fall of, of kingdoms throughout all the ages. So, so, so Nebuchadnezzar's no fool. And, and I got a sneaky suspicion that he, he knows this interpretation is, is, is him. Now, 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 notice the word watchers here. The word watchers is a Babylonian way of saying the angel. So not only are people watching, but we find out from verse 17 that angels are watching. 
The Bible says if you're a believer, then angels are watching over you. Angels are sent to minister to those who are heirs of salvation, and they are looking at what you're doing. Angels. Didn't someone say, write a song, angels watching over me, my friend? Angels watching over you, homie? Uh, Something the song went. It's true. It really is true. You know, someone once said, secret sin on earth is open scandal in heaven. Isn't that true? You know, we think, oh, nobody sees that. Yeah, yeah, they do. There's a whole arena full of angels who see that. Now, Hebrews tells us that we have to be careful as Christians because we could be entertaining angels unaware. I, I can't remember ever really having an experience with angels, but I can tell you this here. Now, watch this, fellas. Fellas, take notes. Take notes. I'm trying to help you, okay? I can tell you this here. I married an angel. <laughs> I'm just trying to help you stay married, all right? See that? Fellas, take notes. And so, I, you know, I don't know. I, 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 I guess it may be one time in my life, but the Bible says that angels are watching. Angels are involved in this life. Notice in verse 17. Verse 17 is critical because verse 17 is the intention of the dream. Notice, in order that the living may know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men. Notice this is a remarkable statement because it tells of the sovereignty of God. The overarching principle of the Bible is the sovereignty of God. This is a big word that simply means that God is subject to none influenced by none. He is absolutely independent and does whatever he wants to. That's what the word sovereign means. It means that God is subject to none. He is influenced by none. And he is absolutely independent and does what he wants to. Isaiah chapter 46, verse 10. Write that down. Look it up in your own time. My counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure Talking about the sovereignty of God. Psalm 115, verse 3. But our God is in heaven and he does whatever he pleases. I love that verse. Is Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 2. It says, For God is in heaven and you are on the earth. Therefore, let your words be few. I think I like that verse, verse even better. You know, some folk just need to let their words be few. Oh, here's Rodney 1.1. God is in heaven. You are on the earth, so shut up. There you go. That's the translation for you. I, I love that. God is sovereign. Again, fast forward in, in, in chapter 4. You can see it again in verse 35 of this chapter. He does according to his will. Talking about the sovereignty of God. He does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can restrain his hand or say to him, what have you done? You see, God is sovereign and he has not lost control. God is never in heaven pulling out of his hair saying, oh, what am I going to do now? 
Never. God is sovereign, even as it relates to election year. Oh, that's a whole nother sermon now, isn't it? God is sovereign. Notice again in verse 17, the most high rules in the heavens of men. Did you see this? Look at it closely. And gives it to whomever he chooses and sets over it. Did you see that? The lowest of men. The base of men, some of your translations might say. So that gives you insight into the election year. In other words, listen, God rules over politics. If you know that, please say amen. It's ugly out there. Have you noticed it's just mean? It's just cruel. It's just ugly. And Christians get all caught up into this. As if God is not aware, as if God is out of control. Listen, God is always in control. I don't care who gets in the office. I personally, Pastor Rodney, I don't care who gets in the office. I think as Christians, we need to be responsible. I think we need to be responsible as it relates to voting. That is our right and, and our privilege as citizens of, of this country and as, as Americans. But I, once I cast my vote, that is where I leave it because I believe that I serve a sovereign God who is over politics. And not only that, but according to verse 17, it seems to indicate that if you run for office and you don't win and you're disappointed, you might want to rejoice because God sometimes sets the worst of men over the government. So if your man that you vote for doesn't win, you might want to rejoice because it might tell you that you really had the right heart for the right guy because the guy that got voted in, according to verse 17, is the worst of all the men. Get the CD played on the way home. You'll get that. I don't worry about all that. I don't care who gets in the office. I, I take care of my responsibilities, saints, and that's it. Because I'm not looking for my kingdom to be on this earth. My kingdom is in heaven. My home is in heaven. My heart is in heaven. And my hope is in heaven. My eyes are looking up to where, saints? Heaven, you know. My, I, I don't, whatever. God's going to take care of me. God's going to take care of you. Whatever you need, it's God has it. And don't get ugly like the world. That's the world. Digging up people's past. It's ugly. It's evil. It's not godly. And I want no part of it. Interesting. Now notice here in verse 19. Then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, he was astonished for a time. Then this is interesting. And his thoughts. So, so Nebuchadnezzar tells him a dream. And Daniel explains the dream. When he sees what God is saying, he's astonished for a time. His thoughts are troubled. And so the king spoke and said, Belteshazzar, don't let the dream or the interpretation trouble you. In other words, spit it out, man. Belteshazzar answered and he said, my Lord, may the dream concern those who hate you. In other words, I'm sorry, I got to tell this to you. You can see Daniel's heart. We'll talk about it in a minute. Toward Nebuchadnezzar. You see his heart toward him? He says, you know, I I wish that this was against your enemies and its interpretation concerning your enemies. The tree that you saw, here's the interpretation. The tree that you saw, which grew and became strong, whose height reached to the heavens, which could be seen by all the earth, 
whose leaves were lovely and its fruit abundant, and which was food for all, under which the beasts of the field dwelt, and whose branches the birds of the heavens had their home. It is you, O king, who have grown and become strong, for your greatness has grown and reaches to the heavens, and your dominion to the end of the earth. And inasmuch as the king saw a watcher, a holy one, coming down from heaven, saying, Chop down the tree and destroy it, but leave its stump and its roots in the earth, bound with the band of iron and bronze, and the tender grass of the field, let it be wet with the dew of the heaven, and let him graze with the beasts of the field till seven times pass over. This is the interpretation, O king, and this is the decree of the Most High, which has come upon my Lord, the king. They shall drive you from men. Your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and they shall make you eat grass like oxen. They shall wet you with the dew of heaven, and seven times shall pass over you till you know that the Most High Here's why, saints, until you know that the Most High God rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he chooses. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.